Uh, if you're visiting uh, today for the first time, we have actually been going through John for quite uh, some time, and we, we timed it so that on Easter we would uh, have an, uh, a passage uh, be timed that we uh, could, could read about Christ's resurrection. Well, the great thing is um, we get to do that for the next several weeks. Christ actually appeared 11 different times after his resurrection uh, to confirm that everything he said about himself uh, was true, that he's the son of God. Uh, he is crucified and raised for our forgiveness. So uh, if you would, I want you to turn to our text. This is a beautiful passage. It really is. I've enjoyed looking at it and thinking about uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, who is the first witness to the resurrection of Christ. It's really a, remarkable, as we'll see. So verse 10 Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is God's holy and errant word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word reveals who you are and what you have done and what you're doing Uh, in this world. Uh, We thank you for the gospels that reveal to us who Christ is and what he's accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection. But Father, we need your Holy Spirit to move things from the intellectual realm into our own hearts and our lives so that we would hear Jesus say, Bob, Jane, Sally, So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would apply the resurrected Christ to us this morning so that we might hear uh, and believe and our lives might be transformed. And we ask it in your name. For your sake, amen. 
Uh, this past Thursday night, I had the privilege of uh, teaching uh, at the women's dinner series. And uh, one of the things that I told them, I was excited about teaching them because I, I don't really have that much opportunity to teach, and teaching is very different than preaching, very different. And uh, one of the reasons I, I don't get to teach that much is because we have so many uh, incredible teachers uh, here at Redeemer. And so I explained to them that the difference is this, uh, preaching um, is more of a kind of a thus saith the Lord. It is uh, the minister kind of stands between two worlds to take the gospel and apply it to where you are. It's very different. In other words, uh, the, the faithful preacher, the thus saith the Lord is, listen, Christ is risen. He, 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 believe the gospel. Be encouraged. And, and uh, what, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, there's hope in the gospel. But teaching's a little bit different in the sense that um, people often say, well, I wish you'd give a few more imperatives from the pulpit. I wish you would give us a little bit more instruction as to what it means to be a disciple. Well, really, um, that's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have small groups. Uh, because... Um, uh, Teaching is kind of helping you understand how to apply the reality of the resurrection in your marriage and in your life and in your school and in your work. Uh, so that, for, for instance, Paul says, uh, Paul says in Romans 6, after he, he's declared that Christ is our righteousness, you need a righteousness. You have none. And the law only condemns you. You need a righteousness from God. And so he says, but now there is a righteousness from God that comes through Jesus Christ. But then the question ended up being, well, well if, uh, if Christ has already paid the work, and if I'm no longer in Adam and I'm dead in sin, but I'm made alive in Christ, why don't we sin that grace might abound? You ever said that in your, when you start to willfully sin against God? Well, I know he's already forgiven me, therefore, uh, I guess uh, grace means I can do what I want to do. But Paul says this in, in, in Romans where he says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So you have to have both things. You have to have the preaching of the gospel from ministers who are called to exhort you to believe the gospel, to believe in the resurrection. And so as you read your Bible and as you get together with other Christian friends and as you read your books and as you go to Sunday school classes, then you have the teaching that begins to help you understand exactly what Paul said is if you have been raised with Christ, you will no longer fulfill the desires of the flesh. That will not be your desire. Well, Discipleship. What is that? I've had many interesting questions about discipleship. And so my, my question to you this morning uh, is, um, is what, are you a disciple of Christ? Are you one who follows Christ? Is this becoming a reality in your life? But I'll tell you this. Without an understanding of the resurrection and a full-blown resting in what Christ has already accomplished, 
All the discipleship classes in the world aren't going to change you. All the programs, all the Sunday school classes, all those things will not change you until you understand what it means to be united with Christ in his resurrection and all things are new. And if somebody has to tell you all the time, well, this how it's supposed to apply in your life, then you know, ladies and gentlemen, I might suggest that maybe you've never met Christ. Maybe you've heard, or, but you've never heard him. So, now, what better text to prove this than this text that we have that we just read about Mary Magdalene, who's the first to see Jesus? Not the disciples. And she is the first to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I, I guess if I had a proposition that I wanted to give to you this morning as we see, uh, see this in Mary's life, is this, that true discipleship is only possible through resting in our union with Christ in his death and resurrection. Now, brothers and sisters, this is what grace is all about. You, you, grace is he breaks in. You got that? It's not what you do to meet him halfway. You must be born again. God must break in. God is not obligated to break into your life. Do y'all understand that? He's not obligated. If you just want to do your own thing and, uh, and go, well, I go to church on Sunday morning and I believe in Jesus Christ, died for my, my sins and so on and so forth. But if that's not like something that's welling from inside you, um, then, there, then you won't be an effective witness. You understand that you won't be effective. But we see her, Mary Magdalene. So uh, there's three things. And I, I looked at this text. It's really it's interesting. It breaks up in three parts. But I've, ha- I've thought a lot about Mary Magdalene. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's this woman who had seven demons. Well, seven is another Greek way of saying she was mega-possessed. She was real. She was like psych- what we would call psychotic, crazy Okay? Now, so, some traditions think that, that, that Mary Magdalene is the woman uh, in the Luke 7 that, that uh, broke the ointment at Jesus, the prostitute that broke the ointment at his feet. And, of course, that's when Jesus uh, and the, the, all the Pharisees, were, they were all indignant, right? Who was, man, if he only knew that this, who this woman was, well, he, he knew who she was, whether it was Mary Magdalene or not. But if it was Mary Magdalene, Jesus says, the reason she's weeping and she's wiping my feet and to, uh, with her tears is because she's been forgiven much. You see that? I mean, it's just this amazing. To, to, if you're forgiven much, you will love much. And so what we see with Mary Magdalene, three things. This is very clear in the text. Number one, we learn from her confusion. She is confused. Do y'all see that in the text? But uh, we're also going to see, uh, learn something about Mary and clinging. And then we're going to see something about Mary and her confession. So confusion, clinging, and confession. Well, the first thing is pretty clear to see. She's confused. Did y'all see that in the text? She's confused, big time. So notice what, uh, in verse, uh, verse 11 through 13, but, but Mary, 
stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus was laying, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Now imagine that there are two angels that are there. <laughs> now I don't know if they were in all white. It says that I mean that they were shining. I'm not, but but whatever she saw, those are the angels. And uh, and what? So they ask her, "Why are you weeping?" They're probably asking the question, "Why are you weeping?" He's risen from the dead. What is her response to that? Well, well because they've stolen his body. They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. She's weeping. Now, why is she weeping? Because she's still, though devoted, there's still not faith. And when I say faith, I'm not saying she wasn't a Christian, but I'm saying the faith to believe the Scriptures. And so here we see her in her devotion, and she's weeping, and she's weeping over Jesus She's weeping because, just think about it, two days before that, she saw the one she loved, the one who transformed her life, naked, nailed to a tree, just a couple of hours before this. She loved him. She's weeping because she could not pay her last respects and anoint him. She's weeping because she thinks his body has been desecrated by grave robbers. She's weeping because she is abandoned and alone. She's by herself there, right? And she is weeping because her hopes are gone. She had this idea of who Jesus was, but she still doesn't have it right. And so she's confused. And by the way, devotedness to Christ and love for Christ without clarity of who he is can lead to confusion in your life. And you can feel abandoned. You can feel, well, God, why is this happening to me? Why am I having these health problems? Why is my marriage the way it is? Why is my money situation it is? Why am I so disconnected from my parents? Why am I not married? You love Christ, and yet there's not clarity. And when there's not clarity about the gospel... And the reality of what Mary's going to see, if there's not absolute clarity in your life, it will always lead to some form of despair or discouragement. Now, I'm not saying that, that you, even when you have clarity of what it is, that there's not despair and there's not loneliness and there's not discouragement. But at this point, she doesn't have that whatsoever. Well, let me, let me uh, make an application here uh, before I move forward. Um, isn't it interesting how the, the apostles, the, the, apparently they kind of got it. If you remember last week, they saw and they kind of understood and they take off. And you say, why didn't they, they explain that to Mary? Well, because she probably had already gone to them and said, uh, she'd already gone and said, listen, they've, uh, the, the, the tomb is empty. They take off, Right? So they come back, and now Mary's by herself, and she's at the tomb, and she still has not put the pieces together. But what we're going to see with Mary is once she does, then all things change. 
Now, you might say to yourself, now, why didn't Mary believe that? I mean, Jesus said it over and over and over again, didn't he? I mean, he said it like three times. She heard him say, the Son of Man must suffer at the hands of the leaders, be crucified, and be raised from the dead. Why didn't she get it? Well, that's easy for us to read that back in on them because, you know, we live in modern times and people... Maybe you're this way. I, I don't know. I don't know you, a lot of you. But you might go, you know, the resurrection of the dead, that doesn't happen. It just, it's just not, modern people don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Well, neither did they believe in that then either. They, the, the Jews and the disciples, they were not expecting what Jesus said just because that didn't happen. But obviously... Something does happen because her life is forever changed. So, so before, before I move forward to see, see this, let me tell you why some of you might be confused. It's because you've never, ever understood the significance of what the resurrection means in all of your life. It's not a metaphor. It's a reality. And because Christ is risen, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. There's hope. Because Christ is risen, then you can face this week. I have no idea what you have to face. Some of you are wondering if you're going to go bankrupt. Some of you are wondering if you'll ever have a friend here in Athens. Some of you are wondering uh, if you're ever going to have children, whatever it may be. But you see, the reality of Christ's resurrection means this. He's not dead and he's with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the significance of the resurrection. And until you get your mind wrapped around that, then you know what? You're always going to be living life in a sense of confusion and daze and not have the power and the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing. There's confusion. And maybe there's confusion with you. And, 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 and the Lord doesn't want you to be. But Mary's confused. Y'all see that? Well, the second thing is to, to see what we can learn uh, from Mary's clinging to Jesus. Y'all see that in the text? So there she is. She's in the garden. The angels have asked her, why are you weeping? It doesn't affect her. She backs up and she bumps into this guy, if you want to use a visual, and she turns around and, uh, and guess who it is? It's Jesus. And uh, so, so Jesus asked her the same question. It's the same question. Who, who, who are you seeking, seeking and why are you weeping? And what she say to him? Hey, are you the gardener? I mean, could you, could you show me where he is? And so she still doesn't see, does she? Well, now let me tell you why she doesn't. It's because she's got two things of clinging going on. She, she's clinging to the way she understood things before. She's still got that strong in her head. And which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, would you say that she is seeking Jesus? Why is she? Would you say she's weeping over the one that she's seeking? She's a seeker. But she's seeking the wrong God. She's not seeking the Jesus who's standing there 
because her mind is made up. Now, let me just tell you this. You can seek all you want to. Um, a lot of people seek and they give up. But the reality is this. Until Christ breaks in, you won't sin. Because she doesn't recognize him. You say, well, why, did, why didn't she recognize him? There is Jesus. She knew who Jesus was. Well, I don't have time to really go into all the different uh, 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 passages and commentaries that, that explain that, but you certainly know the guys that, that on the road to Emmaus, you remember that? They didn't recognize him ever until they broke bread and boom, their eyes were opened as to who he was. But, but you see, <clears throat> you're saved by grace. You're not saved by your intellect. You're not saved by, hey, I've really sought hard enough. I've, I've fasted, I've prayed, I've done this, I've done that. No, 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 no. The grace of God is that he reveals himself. Now, what made Mary see was not seeing, uh, but hearing. He just says, Mary. And when he said, Mary, what is her response? Teacher. Rabbi. You know, <clears throat> Jesus says uh, in John 10, I know my sheep, and my sheep hear my voice, and my sheep follow me. She heard the voice of Jesus. And so the reality of the resurrected Christ is not through your intellect. I'm just telling you, it's not through being a redeemer. It's not through being reformed. It's not through reading all these things. You must be born again. And I've had many of my friends who've left what I would call the reformed, I think is the apostolic faith, and they just go, you know what, I just don't know if I believe that. And they start going back to something that's more traditional or more ancient. I've had a number of my friends do that. And the only thing I can think would be, well, you know, maybe, I don't know, but maybe it's just intellectual. And therefore, tell me what I'm supposed to do, and I'll check those things off. Because, you see, that's a, that's a lot more manageable, isn't it? Then when he comes to you and he says, it's time to come home. Let me tell you, when the Apostle Paul, when he met Jesus Christ on the way to Damascus, did he meet a resurrected Christ? Did he hear the voice of Jesus? He saw Jesus. Now, let me ask you something. When Paul fell off that horse and he saw Jesus Christ, and when he got back up, he said, yeah, but what about the Trinity? What about human responsibility and, and God's sovereignty? Did he start asking all those theological questions? No. All, all he knew that whatever he believed before, he didn't believe anymore. It was It was wrong. You see, you come to Christ on his terms because he's the one that was crucified. You, you don't come to him on your terms and say, well, I don't know about this. And, I, and again, I, I, just, I just have to say this. I, you know, 
If you're cynical about why things are happening in your life, if you just don't know if you believe this stuff, it, it, um, it, maybe it's because you're not submitting yourself to him on his terms. I mean, if you get married, what are you supposed to do? Say, well, I tell you what, I'll marry you if you'll do exactly what I want you to do. That would be a great marriage, wouldn't it? No, you, you kind of submit to one another. As Christians, you submit to one another in the Lord. Husbands, submit to your calling to love your wives. Wives, you submit uh, to honoring Christ by honoring your husband. I, you say. But so she's still clinging in the old ways, but then she hears the voice of Jesus, and then she's completely changed and she's transformed. And what does she do? She probably falls at his feet and grabs him. She's clinging now to what is new, <laughs> right? Not what is old. Now, what does Jesus say to her? It's very interesting. Whoa, don't touch me because I've not ascended. Now, what's going on with that? Now, so why does he tell her not to cling? Well, you look later in the chapter, um, you remember that Jesus tells Thomas, touch my hands. Touch me. In fact, he says that several times during his uh, resurrection appearance. He says, yeah, touch me. I'm, I'm real. I'm, I'm a physical person. Yes, I am Jesus that was crucified. So why did he tell her not to do that? Well, the best I can understand, the best things that I've read that I th- think make a lot of sense to me is Jesus is saying, Mary, you cannot continue to hold on to me the way you knew me before. You know, yeah, we had those great years together and you were with me, but now, but now because I am ascending to my Father, you will know me in ways that you have never known me before because I will always be with you. I will give you my Holy Spirit. He will be poured out from heaven. And the very Spirit who led Jesus in the wilderness, who led Jesus through his public ministry, who comforted Jesus, is the same Spirit who would dwell in those who've been united to Jesus Christ through faith. All things are new. So don't cling to me the way you used to. And so we see Mary's confusion. We see her, her clinging. Well, let me say one other thing about clinging. I just see one note here, you know. So there are two cameos of weeping and clinging. And let me just, for the last point. Christianity is about a personal relationship with Christ. If he were dead and gone, then it's a fable and of no importance. So, as a matter of fact, I asked a guy one time that was kind of coming to Redeemer, doesn't come here anymore. I asked him, I said, hey, let me ask something. If Christ, uh, they found the body of Jesus Christ on CNN and, you know, they reported it and it was a fact that they found the body. I said, would you come to church on Sunday morning? He said, oh, yeah, I'd be there. I said, well, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> Man, why would you come? He's risen. That's why we come. They've never found the body. Christianity is about a personal relationship. And number two, the second thing in that chemia, it's not a casual relationship. He's ascended. He's your Lord. And if you're a Christian, you've been redeemed by the blood and you've been bought with a price and you're not your own. 
and you serve him. So marriage confusion, marriage clinging. One last thing, and I is this Mary's confession. Confession is impossible without calling. If she had not seen him, she would not have confessed him. If she had not heard him, she would have not confessed him. So I have to ask this question because, you know what? It says that she went and confessed. And what was it that she confessed? She confessed, I, to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think clarity, and you're no longer confused. And, uh, and now you're embracing Christ, and you have the Spirit. Don't y'all think that should lead to some kind of confessing? Let me ask you that. Do y'all think you should be confessing this? Yes or no? We should confess Jesus. I got an email from uh, Dr. Schaefer in the back there, the bald-headed guy with the beard, one of the older guys at Redeemer. Dr. Schaefer is a a PhD in quantum chemistry or something like that. Something way over my head, Fritz. In fact, we need to get you to do that irreducible complexity talk again. Okay, so, but, but uh, you were in Italy, weren't you? Uh, Fritz was converted uh, 20, 20 or 23 years old, somewhere in there. But, but, um, and I'm not trying to toot your horn, Fritz, but you don't want to just teach science. I mean, that's great. And you're, you're, God has blessed you. You're a, a scholar in this area, world-renowned. But, you know, he always goes, and I think I'm right about this, I'll come and speak if you'll let me do something on the side about the resurrection of Jesus or talk about Jesus. Now, why does he want to do that? Because a lot of like, oh, gosh, what's with, with this guy? It's because I think Fritz has met Jesus Christ. Now, what is the confession that they're to make? So, so, to, so to, to be, I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but, but let me ask you, does that make sense to y'all? I mean, that, should that make sense? That if you know Christ, he's, right, he's, he's spoken to you, and you're united to Jesus Christ in, his re, Christ in his resurrection, should there be a power in our lives? I think so. And you might say, well, you know what, I'm just, you know, how you're, you kind of talk a lot and you know, you just, that's what you do. Well, there might be some truth to that. I do talk a lot. But if you can't talk to people about God, let me ask you this. Can you talk to God about people? Can you say, my, my mother doesn't know Christ. My friend across the street doesn't know Christ. I don't know how to say it, but Lord, would you raise somebody up to win my friend to Jesus Christ? Can we all do that together? Absolutely, I think we can do that together. Now, what was her confession? And then we close. What's her confession? Exactly what uh, Jesus uh, told her to say. And you know what he says? Um, Do not, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Notice, what does he call the, he didn't say, hey, tell those sorry knuckleheads 
to meet me over at Peter's house. I want to scold them. What does he call them? My brothers. Isn't that awesome? And what is the message? Let them know that I'm ascending to my father and to your father. And to my God and to your God. Isn't that amazing? That through Jesus Christ, we're in the family. And we're part of God's people. Are you? If you come to Christ on his terms and not your terms, you say, how would I know? Well, is there power in your life to, to go, you know, Lord, I don't know why you're doing what you're doing in my life, but I trust you. I see you work in my life. And, Lord, if it means that I have to kind of be set on fire for somebody to believe, then you know what? You do with me what you want to do. I think that's what it means to be a born-again Christian. Do we do it well? No. Do we, do we, <laughs> you know, is, a, is our uh, profession out of Of course. But, but you see, there has to be some connector between that resurrection and how you live your life. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we confess to you uh, that you are the true and living God. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're so patient and kind and loving and merciful. We thank you that you uh, call those who betrayed you brothers. Why? Because that's why you came, to give us life. Lord, would you give people life today? Would you, by your Spirit, call them to yourself? to know the glory of what it means to have their sins forgiven and to be united to Christ. And I ask these things in your name. Amen.